Welcome to the Podcock PCAST. I'm your host, the only Tyler Peacock. Joining me on the program is uh, Bobby Russell. What's up, dude? Hey, what's going on, man? Uh, fully vaccinated. Feel good. Um, stuff's opening back up. All all positives. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, got a nice few weeks of sports coming up here to take us into our favorite season of the year. Yeah. Uh, yeah, the next couple weeks are... Uh, Loaded. We got the NHL and NBA playoffs. We'll touch those here shortly. I've got a golf major this weekend. Uh, and the next two weeks of uh, motorsports are uh, are insane. So, uh, I, I, I mean, even at the small level, dirt racing usually around the Memorial Day time is when a lot of big races uh, start to pop off. So, uh, but we're going to discuss some uh, Monaco Grand Prix and uh, NASCAR making. A uh, inaugural run at Coda, but that'll be the last part of the show. Uh, NBA playoffs. Let me ask you this, Bobby, because um, I'll admit it, hand up, this is the least amount of regular season NBA basketball I've watched in my entire life. Um, it's not for political reasons either. It's just I didn't realize how much um, not having the crowd affected the, the NBA game. Um, you know, the bubble, I think we were all starving for anything last year. So I was all in on the bubble, but short turnaround. Um, I, I don't, I don't really know these teams very well. So I guess it's darts at a, at a dartboard, but what about you? I mean, have you been tuned into the league? Just, just your Celtics, little mixture, of both, not at all. Where, where are you at? Yeah. I, I mean, I like, like you, this is the, the least I've watched any NBA this year. Um, I think this is the first year in multiple years where I've watched more college basketball than NBA, um, you know, following along through the tournament and uh, the conference championship games. But NBA, I mean, I've watched I've watched all the Celtics games that are usually like, you know, the primetime one o'clock Sunday or whatever they're on ESPN. But anytime they like they play like a 10, 10 o'clock game on like TNT, I'm just like, I, I just can't stay up that late anymore unless I force myself to. And come playoff time, obviously, I'll probably stay up and watch those games. Um, but, you know, I didn't even watch their play-in game the other night against Washington. Um, one, because I, I wasn't too thrilled with the prospect of the play-in tournament through 7-8. I feel like, you know, you work, you're an NBA team. You're at the height of your abilities as a player or as a team to have to play in as a seventh seed and possibly not even make the playoffs to a team that's, that's – stupid. To ten like to like a team that's ten games below five hundred, it's. I mean, everybody tuned in. Obviously, the Lakers Golden State game last night was like the most watched NBA game since the twenty nineteen Western Finals. Um, but yeah, it's just it's just kind of like you you read the headlines and pick your poison from there on who's going to win. Yeah, uh, yeah, I, I, I mean, this isn't an original idea of mine. Um. I know there's a few people out there. I would rather them see, or I'd rather the NBA go to like a, a quick like bubble or not bubble um, lottery tournament. If you want to kind of get these teams that are in the back playing for something that didn't quite make the playoffs, just kind of play for I don't I, maybe lottery balls like a better percentage chance, or maybe the whole fucking the you know. The winner of the the lottery tournament gets first pick. I mean, 
you know, that would kind of – I get it. Somebody's going to finish last in each conference. There's going to be bad teams. That's just the reality of the situation. But, you know, everybody's pissed off at this load management and the tanking and yada, yada, yada. Um, I think that would kind of put a Band-Aid over that situation for the foreseeable future. Um, but, yeah, the play-in tournament, I, I, it's bullshit. The, um, I mean, it, both both teams that are the sevens won their game. So, um, But, yeah, I'll feel bad if Golden State um, – that's weird to say with their run, but I'll feel bad if they lose tomorrow night. Um, and, I mean, the East, I guess that's kind of a toss-up. But, I don't know, I feel like, yeah. If you're taking 16 teams and and you have it split in the conferences, yeah, I feel like you earn the right as a one of the eight best teams to to get in there. Right, and I, I, with your idea with the lottery, I like that too. I I never really thought about that. But what I like the NBA proposed this a year or so ago, maybe two years ago, of instead of doing one playoffs come instead of the Western Conference and Eastern Conference individual, just seeding by record one through 16 and going out of that way and I, I feel like that would create a lot more I mean, obviously we wouldn't have the rivalries we have in the playoffs in, the, in those five and seven game series um, but you know it, it would make for a lot of interesting cross-country travel um, and a lot of different just a lot of different matchups and you know you wouldn't have the same teams every single year in the finals like we did this past decade yeah definitely and another thing like the, so, I mean, some years you would have two West Coast teams in the finals that way, but the 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 whole conference regional situation in pro sports is it's it's just an outdated idea. Like they did that because like back in the day, like train travel was a big thing at the like the the infancy stages of these pro leagues getting us uh, started and clear up until I, you know, probably the, the early 2000s and the 90s, like playing travel for these teams um, probably wasn't the best. Maybe maybe the 80s is a cutoff there. But, yeah, it's, it's just um, an antique mm-hmm. uh, idea. Like, yeah, I, I think seeding at 1 through 16 would be bad. And if you had 10 teams that were formerly West Coast, Western Conference teams in the playoffs or vice versa, like that's just the way – it breaks. Um, plus, I mean, if you think of rivalries in the NBA, like, you know, that Northeast corner, you know, the Knicks when they're good, which they are this year, and the Celtics and the Sixers, that can get testy. But really the rivalries nowadays are individual players or, you know, the Lakers and Celtics meeting so many times um, throughout the course of history. Like, that, that only exists because – the stakes it's not you know a regional thing right and then the flip side of things you see what the nhl did this year with the regional um you know teams like boston they pretty much other than going to pittsburgh they took a bus to every single game buffalo new york philadelphia washington they took a bus everywhere yeah and that we'll get to that in a little bit but man that that's actually made i think um I mean, the playoffs in hockey are insane as it is, but these guys just playing each other so many times, it's it's really created, uh, in a good way, some animosity, and, and maybe you would get that um, aspect out of the game of basketball, too, if you, if you did away with the conferences. But, 
hockey, it, it's definitely a word for them. Um, all right, I'm going to go through some of these series prices. We'll, we'll just kind of preview the first round, I guess. Um, Celtics, Nets, the 7-2 in the East. Uh, Brooklyn, six, minus 1,600. A huge favorite, Boston, plus 800 uh, to win that series. Um, of course, Brooklyn with a big 3-4 now. Like, um, does the C's, your C's have any chance? I guess would be my question. I, I would give us more of a 50 50 chance if Jalen Brown was healthy and playing with him being out, having wrist surgery out for the rest of the year. It, it, too much falls on Tatum and Kemba to score. Um, Evan Fournier, you know, he came up from the Magic, didn't get acclimated, got COVID right away, was on that list, missed 14 games in a row. So there's just no chemistry. And, you know, that's why we ended up in, in the, playing game this year um also kind of ironic that the two most successful franchises were in the inaugural play-in tournament and both ended up winning but yeah i think there's just gonna be too much scoring and not enough defense for the celtics to to keep up with the nets and i think the nets win this one in six okay yeah i'm not i'm not gonna make any if if a prediction strikes me i will but I really don't have the knowledge, but I'm kind of leaning on you here. All right, Hawks, the five. The Knicks, the four. Um, slight favorite, the Knicks, for the series um, at minus 105. Uh, the Hawks at minus 115. So this is a 50-50 series according to Vegas. You know, just about even money for both. Um, I'm rooting for the Knicks. No offense to Trey Young and that young Hawks team. I like John Collins. Um but I'm, I'm rooting for the Knicks. Tibbs seems like he's doing what Tom Thibodeau does, just running those guys into the ground. But they're going to play defense and play tough. Julius Randle's had a hell of a year. So, uh, gun the head, I'd lean Knicks. Probably be a long series since it's a coin flip. Um, you have any thoughts on that one? Yeah, I, I, I've seen the Knicks play a few times this year when they played the Celtics. They played the last day of the year this year when the Celtics had the taxi squad up. Um, but <laughs> – but Coach Tibbs, uh, you know, back to his days when he was the assistant coach to Doc Rivers in our championship year in 08, always enjoyed him, his style, his style of coaching, real fierce, hard-nosed, uh, vein-in-the-forehead type guy. And then it's nice – and Julius Randle obviously can't knock what he's been doing. The resurgence he's had, he's going to earn a big contract next year somewhere. And then Derek Rose to be able to come back and play like he has is awesome as well to see. Um, a, guy, a guy I wish would have stayed healthy in his career because I think if he did – Chicago might have an NBA championship right now, but I'm going to go with the Knicks as well. I think they're just too much of a, a defend, defensively good team to, and you know, I think they'll shut down Trey Young pretty easy. Yeah, um, yeah, they're kind of a uh, the vets are like second chance vets getting like a, a new release into the wild, and then the rest of the roster is just uh, late lottery picks, but. Uh, it's working out. Uh, all right, final series that's set in stone. Of course, the one eight matchups in both conferences uh, not um, set yet, so no odds on that. But uh, I think probably maybe the juiciest um, first round matchup in the in the playoffs. Well, in the East anyway. Uh, the six seed Miami Heat, uh, Eastern Conference champs from last season, uh, going up against the three seed Bucks. Uh, Milwaukee minus 280 and uh, Miami uh, plus money at plus 230. Um, just seems like Milwaukee, I don't know. They're, they're laying in the weeds a little bit. Not as good as they have been the last couple of years. 
Um, and Miami, I don't know. It seems like they've had like a weird up and down season. I know Jimmy's been out um, of the lineup uh, here or there too. So uh, what, what, where would you uh, lean or maybe have a strong take on this series? Yeah, this is a tough one for me to pick between obviously Milwaukee has Giannis in the link and they've got some shooting build around him now for Drew Holiday as well. And a nice young core. But, you know, the run the Heat went on last year, uh, you know, they took down uh, they took down Milwaukee. They all took down Boston in the Eastern Conference Finals. And then they kind of ran out of luck. Some injuries hit them in the finals against the Lakers. Uh, so there's always that chance. And you can never count a Jimmy Butler-led team out. Uh, I just – I think the Bucks are a downgrade from where they were. Um, you know, I think yeah. losing Eric Bledsoe um, kind of hurt their defense a little bit. So – I'm gonna roll with the the heat and the upside here on this one. Yeah, I don't. I I feel like that. Um, I I don't know, man. I like I said in the in the opening there. I I think Milwaukee's just kind of laying in the weeds a little bit. I feel like people's kind of cooled on them, and I think they might actually make a run here because I mean, I, if you look at it, Doc has done a great job with the Sixers. Um, and Bede, I don't know if there's a guy in the league when he's playing his game that could, could stop him, maybe Anthony Davis, but they wouldn't see them until the finals potentially. Um, but in the East, I don't think there's a matchup for him. And Simmons is a great defender. Um, they bought in the dock uh, year one. And I don't know, the Nets firepower, obviously, that's scary, but I don't know if they're going to guard anybody. Um Milwaukee, I think they they got a nice balance. Yeah, I don't think they're as good as they are um, or have been the last couple of seasons they've had uh, just running through the regular seasons like they have. But I, I think they got a nice balance. They can guard. And um, I don't know. Giannis, will he take that, that step and, and get a team um, to a finals and be like one of those great all-time players? that people think he can be. Maybe he takes that leap this year. I don't know. Um, do you do you have any kind of dark horse that's not uh, the Sixers or um, the Nets, I guess, to, to come out of these? I mean, even, like, if you said the Lakers when we do the West, I, I will not allow that. I mean, I guess you <laughs> can do whatever you want, but I feel like they were tracking to be the one or two in the West and then AD and LeBron leaves. Uh, for an extended period of time, so but Boston's kind of had their guys, but they had some COVID stuff happen. Um, probably the hit the hardest, but I, I would allow the Celtics if you wanted to go home or pick here. Uh, I'm not going to go home or pick. Uh, I'm going to go with one of the other play in that place tonight. Um, you know, this team they got a couple of great scores, one of the best players ever, I think, stat wise. I think the Wizards win tonight. Um, I think Bradley Beal has a huge game. And, you know, I think they can go in up head-to-head with Philadelphia. You know, you can win one game there. I, I think they can get hot. Russ has a triple-double every night. Beal, he can catch fire. I, th- I think the Wizards can make a run at that first round, kind of like the, uh, the We Believe Warriors did back in 07, and uh, be an eight seed that beats the one seed. And I think that, that's kind of my dark horse in the East because I think everywhere else in the East, you know what, you got, what you're going to get from that team. And, you know, I think the Wizards are just that one wild, that true wild card. Yeah, that actually – I never considered that. I just kind of assumed 
Indy could uh, – I don't know. I'm, I guess I'm just playing too much into them rolling uh, the, the Hornets like they did the other night. But, yeah, that that, that one-two punch, that, that, that would be scary to face. Like, you know, Russ could have a bad game, but, you know, he's going to fucking try. And, and Beal, yeah, he's one of the best underrated scorers in the league. Okay. Uh, Western Conference, uh, the five-seed Mavs and the four-seed Clippers. Clippers minus 430, Mavs plus 315. Oh, I'll just lay my cards out on the table here. Um, I like the Mavs. I, I'm I'm a Luka guy. I'm a Luka believer. And the Clippers, they're just maybe, – maybe not this year. I don't know. Like I said, I haven't paid too much attention. But they're just one of those franchises. You, you don't expect them to ever – to, to get over that hump, they're just kind of – I feel like they're soft, even though Kawhi, he's unbelievable. Don't get me wrong, Paul George is good. But I, I like that plus 315. I think that would be my, my best bet to make in the in the first round here. Yeah, I, I'm right there with you. I think the Mavs take this one. You know, the Clippers, they just have – they have that old Cleveland Browns stink on them where they just can't get over <laughs> the hump. Uh, I, I'm taking pride in saying that since Bryce isn't here. Uh, so I'm going to get all the Cleveland Brown knocks that I can. Um, but, yeah, Luka is awesome. Uh, I, I feel like the Mavericks got a good thing going. Um, they can score in bunches. And it being the 4-5, or five, I got a toss-up right there. I think that's one from the gambling side of things. That's easy money. Um, you know, if they win this in five or six, yeah, that's money in your pocket. Um, and I just think they match up well with the Clippers. And I think the Clippers, you shut down one of their two stars. I think that's all you really got to do. Yeah, moving on, the six seed, the Blazers, and the three seed, Nuggets. Another coin flip series, uh, Nuggets minus 105. Actually, they opened as a minus 130 favorite. Um, and it, it got bet down to Portland being uh, a minus 115 underdog. So, again, just about even money. Uh, I would almost pull the trigger on this because that, that backcourt of Dame and McCollum, uh, they're awesome. I know Jamal Murray's hurt out for the year for the Nuggets, but – um, I think Jokic might be the MVP this year, and they don't have any answer for him, and and they could just play through him. Um, and I think the Aaron, um, excuse me, uh, the Aaron Gordon trade actually um, getting him in a nice spot uh, playing beside Jokic is a nice move. I mean, he's not incredible or anything like that, but uh, I think that'll be a long series. I think a couple years ago, it it was a great series. It went seven. Um, but, uh, yeah, probably another seven game series, but give me the nugs on the home floor, I guess. Um, you have any thoughts on that one? Yeah, I, I agree with everything you said about the nuggets. I think Jokic is going to be the MVP. Um, I think he gives chubby kids in middle school and elementary school everywhere hope uh, <laughs> that, that, that you can make it. And, uh, I, I like his game a lot. And then the trailblazers, if Denver gets in a pick and roll action against Ennis Cantor, they're going to eat him alive every single time. He has concrete shoes, and he just can't get back to defend the hoop on that. Um, you know, Dame's going to score. He's going to have at least one 50-point game, uh, maybe a buzzer beater to send him to, like, six games or seven games. But I think the Nuggets prevail. I think Aaron Gordon's had a pretty good resurgence out there and uh, being away from Orlando. Yeah, and uh, I don't – my uh, book don't have the odds yet. It hasn't updated, but the Lakers – I did see was a uh, opened up as a minus like three hundred favorite against the two seed Suns. Um, just a tough draw. I mean, 
the Lakers, it seems like AD and LeBron are healthy. Um, defending champs, obviously. And I do like that young Suns team, and I think maybe they can push the Lakers a little bit. But I, I think um, L.A., the clear favorite to come out of the West. I, I don't know where you would be at on that. Yeah, I, I like – this is a – think back to those classic 2000s Suns-Lakers series uh, when you had National Stoudemire and the Kobe-led Lakers. Uh, I'm kind of excited to see this. You know, the Suns have made a turnaround. They built an actual team from the ground up and brought in uh, an established former star who's kind of righted the ship. And, you know, I think I think this is going to be a seven-game series at least. Um, and I, I, I want the Suns to pull it out just because of my hatred for the Lakers and LeBron. Um, but, I mean, the Lakers is a seven-seed. It's kind of a joke. Like, I, I just don't understand – I, I know, I I know how how they're there. You know, LeBron and AD both missing time, but that's probably the strongest seven seed that's ever been in the playoffs, like top to bottom on their roster. Yeah, so absolutely. It, it's it's going to be a great series, and I, I'm I'm pulling for the Suns in that one. Yeah, I think I think me and you would both maybe I shouldn't speak for you, but uh, just to call out a dark horse, I think we'd both probably lean Mavericks. Just like the Clippers draw, and then I know the Jazz, uh, they've had a hell of a year, best record in the league, but, I, I mean, they're another one of those franchises. It's like, I mean, I until I see it, I, I don't believe. So I think the Mavs will be my dark horse pick to make a deep run out of the West. What what about you? Yeah, I'm right there with you with the Mavs. Um, and, and the Jazz, I if they make the finals, I just want them to wear the, uh, the purple Stockton Malone uh, the mountain the, range the, ones, the bush light jerseys. Yeah, I want them to wear those <laughs> just because they deserved the championship in the late nineties, and they just ran into a buzzsaw back then. So it'd be cool to see them win. Yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't hate the Utah Jazz. It's just, I mean, you got to call it like I see it. I mean, that year, uh, Kobe and them took him out in the the West Finals. I kind of, it's like, man, I think they can do it. Darren Williams, Boozer, Karolinko, that team, and. I, they let me down, so it's like, yeah, I can't believe in you. All right, NHL playoffs, um, just insane. I mean, the the animosity, the hatred, these um, basically just division playoffs. Um, they they switched around the league for those not in the know. By the way, the I love basketball, but the hockey playoffs, it's just a from an entertainment standpoint and. I mean, you don't even have that money on these games. Just, just the entertainment value, um, just unlucky breaks, the heartbreak, the the excitement. Um, it, it's it's incredible. Um, your Bruins, they're up two one right now. Uh, current series price, um, Boston a minus four hundred. The Caps plus three hundred. That that's insane to me. I feel like both these teams are are pretty much dead nuts even. Um, I don't know if you would believe in that logic, but I see this going seven. Um, just the Cavs goaltending situation, I, I, I just can't take them. But um, they seem like they're the bigger team, and they can kind of push Boston around. And then when the game gets a little up and down and into the wide open, that, that skill and that top-end talent and depth that Boston has shows through. But uh, I'll take your Bruins. What, what's your thoughts on this one? Yeah, it's been three great games so far. The, the double overtime game last night, which ended on a 
big boner by Washington's uh, goalie there and leaving going out to stop the puck at the back and then just kind of haphazardly skating back to his net and Craig Smith just picks it out of the air and just puts it right in the net behind him in the win. It, it was one of those where like, I couldn't believe that it actually happened and it actually worked <laughs> where I was like any other overtime goal. It's like the greatest thing ever. This one I was like, Oh, it actually went in. It was like, all right, that's time to go to bed now. But yeah, like you said, Washington's the much bigger team. They're clearly the much more physical team in this series so far. And this is this is kind of what hurt the Bruins back in the 2019 final against the Blues. I, we, I was I was getting ready to say they remind me of St. Louis in 2019 without a, a Bennington type standing on his head. Right, and, and that 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 series, St. Louis just put bodies everywhere, put them in the glass. You know, the Bruins had quite a few injuries, and that's not nothing to make up make an excuse for. Um, I will make an excuse in that series that in game five we should have won because there was an egregious penalty not called right in front of the ref, uh, which led to the Blues taking game five in the 3-2 series lead. Um, but Boston, we got a good skill, you know, with losing Chara, losing a few other defensemen. Um, it's been tough, but, you know, bringing Taylor Hall has been a rejuvenation for his career and for his and for our second line. And he's just made, made a play every single game that just your jaw just drops um, and he's a guy I'm hoping that they re-sign long-term. But I, I, I feel like it's going to go on seven. Um, I think Washington wins tomorrow night in Boston, and then it's 1-1-1 one, one, one from there. So it's going to be a great series. Um, all of them have been great so far, all of the series that I've kind of checked in on. Um, obviously, I've got a rooted interest in this one. But, yeah, give me give me the Bruins to go on through to the, the second round. All right, next series uh, in, in Canada. Uh, the Canadians, the Habs will take on the Maple Leafs. Just a um, dandy of a matchup historically. Um, Toronto, though, minus 370. Um, the Canadians plus 285. The series hasn't started yet because Montreal still had to play regular season games, which is kind of crazy of the NHL, but whatever. Um, I don't know. I, to, to me, I, I guess I would lean – Toronto, I mean, obviously, they have at that top line is insane. Uh, Marner and Matthews, and I forget the other winger there, but Nylander maybe. But they are uh, – they're talented and, and stacked. But, I mean, there is a Canadian mystique. Maybe it, it's it's been like 30 years since we've seen that. But anytime I see Montreal in the playoffs, I'm like, they can make a run. But uh, how do you see this series shaking out? Uh, I, I wish I didn't have to pick either one of these teams. I mean, I, I, hate, <laughs> I hate these two teams the most out of any other team in the NHL, I think, uh, short of the Tampa Bay Lightning. Uh, that's We'll get to them. Um, Tor- Toronto, they're just so good. Austin Matthews is having an insane year. And I, I think that top line of theirs just carries them. And, you know, they've got, they've got some good goaltending now and a good defense so this might be the year that a Canadian team gets back to the final, but still won't win it. But if I had to pick one of the Canadian teams to make it all the way through, it would probably be Toronto, just based on their strength of scoring and their their sheer will to win. Yeah, they're, but they're a team that I maybe are definitely more so than than Boston, where um, I kind of worry about them if they they get up against like a team that's just that's looking to make it a slow physical game because I feel like that's kind of been their downfall the last few years. They've been the playoffs, but um, you know, things can change too, I guess. 
All right. Um, Preds, they're down there too. Uh, to the 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 Carolina Hurricanes, uh, Carolina minus seventeen hundred, Preds plus eight fifty. Um, I I kind of like this Carolina team. Um, I I think you know they they do quick work. Obviously, up to uh, that's not going out on a huge limb. But um, I guess the two questions I'd ask you: Does Nashville have a chance to get back and make it a series? And if not, uh, where, where's Carolina's ceiling? You think? Uh, yeah, so this Carolina team, they, they probably should have beat Boston in the bubble last year um, had it not been for Svetsnikov going down in game one or two. I, I think they would have they would have taken the Bruins to six or seven and beat them. Um, and just shout out to them. I mean, they're, I've watched – they'd have the live look-in during the intermissions of the Bruins game. That, that crowd just going crazy. Everyone's yeah. packed. It, it, it's so nice to see a crowd back finally. And it, it just makes the game feel a lot more fun, especially when they get a big goal that just goes crazy. It's like fans. It's like the first time a fan's ever been at a game. It, it's it's really awesome to see. Um, I do I do think Nashville comes back. Uh, I think they win the next two at home. Um, they have a great thing in Nashville. Great fan base and great traditions when when everyone's able to be there. Um, so I think it goes two two back to Carolina. And ultimately, I think Carolina's in seven. Um, I, I think Carolina can make the the final four, I guess is what we want to call it this year since there's no yeah. East or West. Um, so I think, I think Carolina can make the final four out of, out of that central group. All right. Uh, we got a one, one series Islanders, uh, Pittsburgh Penguins, Pittsburgh minus minus one twenty five, Islanders plus one Oh five. I want to love the Islanders. I, I love Barzell. I think Everly's pretty good. Uh, Brock Nelson, they get, they got some skill, but I mean, you can't really complain about Trout's system. It is what it is. It's successful, but man, like if Barzell was like in Vegas or Colorado or Boston, like a team that lets their their skill talent, uh, you know, play in some open ice and stuff like that, because he's he'll show some flashes. He's definitely one of my favorite players in the league. But I mean, Pittsburgh, they got shaky goaltending. This this has seven written all over it to me. And then, and it's a coin flip in in, in that seventh game. Um, how say you? Yeah, I uh, I, th- I think it goes seven as well. And a little fun fact about Matt Barzell: in 2015, the Bruins had picks 13, 14, and 15 in the NHL draft in the first round. And pick 13 is a guy who's playing on our third line. Pick 14 and 15, one's been traded, one is stuck in the AHL. Pick 16 was Matt Barzell, so um, you know oh, he could have he, he could have been a Bruin, but. You know, our GM at the time was a complete moron and screwed that up. Um, so, yeah, it'd be nice to see him in black and gold one day. Um, but I, I like the Islanders. I think they got a great team. Uh, Trotz, you know, he's a proven Stanley Cup winning coach. Brings in a tough system. Uh, I think they kind of lean on that old school style of hockey, hit, dump it in, and try to force goals in. And Pittsburgh's kind of been, you know, ever since they've had Crosby and Malkin, they've been, they've been the skill kind of team. Um, and they've had a few guys on the back end who can lay some wood. Um, but, yeah, their goaltending is not great. Um, it's going seven, and I think the Islanders win this one. Um, and I think that sets up a nice nice matchup for whoever they get out of Washington or Boston in the next round. Man, if they if that – I know you wouldn't want to see it because that means your Bruins get bounced, but fucking Washington Islanders would be – that would be a nasty – 
from a physicality standpoint, that'd be a nasty series. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, they're they're just so controlled. Like their structure, they don't like get out over their skis um, with with the way they play. And yeah, they kind of maybe not exactly, but those late '90s, early 2000s New Jersey Devils teams that were just kind of boring and relied on Brodeur and like a timely go here there. That that's kind of uh, the blueprint, I guess. Um, that 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 the Islanders kind of you know, not saying they stole it, but that's that's kind of the game that they remind me of. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, the the battle of Florida Tampa's up to nothing. Um, they're they're minus one thousand to win the series. The the Panthers plus six hundred. Good story. The Panthers getting back in the playoffs. Finally, some of those off season moves. Don't know what they're doing though. I know you paid Brabowski like a shit ton of money, but the Striger guy seems like he's the better option and goal. Uh, I know they they started him and played him in game two, but um, I I feel like they needed a, a, a shot in the arm game, and it probably was that game one, and uh, that Braden Point finish late in the third. Um, I think it was a a series snatcher, so to speak. So uh, I think Tampa will move on. Um, what about you? Yeah, I I like Florida's game a lot. They got a great couple of young guys down there. Uh, Ekblad on defense. Um, obviously they have Bob, but I don't think he's been the same since they went on that run with the Blue Jackets the year before he left. Um, and then shout out Frankie V, Providence College, my guy down there. Um, they're playing good. You know, they, they have the home ice. They had home ice. Um, I think they'll, they'll steal one back in Tampa. Um, but I, Tampa just gets – like, I just can't stand Tampa Bay. Um <laughs> They, they they use the loophole in the NHL rules this year because there's yeah, no what, salary. What is that shit? Yeah, so there's no salary cap once um, playoffs roll around. So you could have you could have 150 million dollars in contracts and it wouldn't matter. But during the regular season, they put uh, Steven Stamkos, Nikita Kucherov on the long-term injured reserve to where their money wouldn't count. And then as soon as the regular season was over, they activated them, even though they had been skating and practicing the entire year. Um, they just didn't play. They just got they got six months of rest, um, and then they put the switch, put them back on the active roster. Now they're what they have like a hundred and seven million dollar salary right now, and it's supposed to be like ninety one million or something. Um, so yeah, they they found the loophole. It's 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 cheating, um, but it's not illegal based on the rules. Um, so it's I mean. It's kind of like they're like Mercedes using the, the DOS system last year. Like it wasn't against the rules, <laughs> but you know, it was shady as fuck. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so that, that, that's the Tampa Bay Lightning in a in a bottle for you. And I, I think they're going to win just because you know they they have great players. I mean, there's no denying that. Um, but it's it's just they just get on your nerves, kind of like the Warriors did in the NBA. They get on your nerves like the Patriots did for all those years. That's just how they are. Right now. Yeah, by the way, that that's probably maybe I I think Braden Point's very underrated, but that's probably their top two or top two other top three guys. They just like maintain enough points to to get in the playoffs, and then oh, we're gonna roll out at least two of our three best players, or maybe Vasilevsky, the goaltender, could crack in that top two or three too. But they're they're yeah, <laughs> that's that's. You know, if the Lakers, well, they kind of did, I guess. But uh, I, 
there was injuries there, but yeah, that's kind of what they did. Exactly. Uh, all right, Jets, uh, Winnipeg, one on one zero lead on the Edmonton Oilers. Uh, Oilers plus one ten. Uh, the Jets, the favorite uh, to win the series as of right now, minus one thirty. I'll I'll admit it. I'm rooting for Dryside on McDavid to get out of the series. I think it's going to be a good, hard fought, long series. But I, I want to see those two talented guys uh, break through. McDavid, it's just stupid. Like he just, I don't, like I don't even know if he has great hands. Like I'm pretty sure he does, but he just fucking skates by everybody. It's insane. Yeah, he's he's probably the best player to step on the ice day one and be be that great since Sidney Crosby was when he came into the league. He just, it's just like he's, it's like hockey. He he is hockey basically. Yeah, that's he's like a guy. That's all he does is eat, sleep, and breathe it. Um, and he's awesome. I mean, they they had a good run there when they were tanking in the early two thousands, mid mid twenty tens, to where they got Dry Seidel, they got McDavid, they had Taylor Hall at one time, uh, Lyle Yakupov. Uh, I think he's out of the league now, but like four straight number one overall picks. Like if they had all those guys in their primes right now, I think they'd be a lock. Um, but I think Winnipeg just – they've made some moves. They, they got some stuff for line A this year, sending him down to Columbus. Um, I think they, they got things going in the right direction. And I, I think Winnipeg can put up a fight with any of those other three teams in, in the north there. Um, so I, give, me, give me Winnipeg in this one. But, yeah, I'm rooting for – I'm rooting for McDavid and Dreisaitl to get out of Edmonton and go to a franchise that can actually win consistently. All right, uh, we got the Minnesota Wild one. Uh, oh, it's actually tied one one against Vegas. Uh, the Golden Knights minus one sixty five. The Wild plus one forty five. I know nothing about the Minnesota Wild. Um, like if you told me Marion Gabrick still played for him, I might believe you. Uh, but I again selfishly, uh, personally, a rooting interest. Um, I'm rooting for Vegas, but man, they it just seems like they're kind of. One of those teams that that's that's I mean that's a relatively or it is a new franchise still has that new franchise smell but they do not close games well um, in the playoffs so I, I worry about that a little bit um, seems like I, like I said I don't know anything about Minnesota but just basing off what I think Minnesota is they're probably the more grittier team here um, just drop some knowledge on me what what's going to happen here. Yeah, that uh, the first game, I think it went to overtime zero to zero going into overtime. It was a hell of a game. Uh, Cam Talbot had a great game, as well as Mark Andre Fleury from the Vegas Golden Knights, who I don't know if you've seen them, but they have uh, gold helmets, kind of like like Notre Dame does, and they are just yeah. absolutely fantastic when they wear those with like the gold jersey too. It's it's awesome. Um, yeah, I when. Uh, Whenever I think about the Wild, all I can think about is when Zach Parise and Ryan Suter went there and everybody was like, oh, lock them up for a championship here in the next five years, and it never happened. Um, they've, got a, they've, got a bunch, they've got a bunch of names, uh, Parise, Zuccarello, Suter, Foligno. You know, they got names, and then they got some nice young guys, uh, Kirill Kaprizov. Um, he's, he's insanely talented and one of the fastest skaters I've ever seen. Um, and I think this one's going to go seven. Yeah, I think Wild Wild ended up taking this one. Um, I think the Knights have had a great run the, their ex- entire existence, um, but I, I think the Wild take this one. I think they just got too much, and I think they've been playing very well this year to to have a letdown in the playoffs. 
All right. Well, the final series, the St. Louis Blues and the Avalanche. Um, I'm a Red Wings fan, and it pains me to say this, uh, but fucking McKinnon is my favorite player in the league right now. I, I, I always like a guy that shoots right-handed. I just That's kind of rare in hockey, it seems like to me. It's probably more so than – or less so than I think, however you want to say it. But um, he's he's just – he's tough. He can skate. Um, he can stick handle. But um, I'm rooting for St. Louis to get back in this thing. Uh, Colorado is laying 4,000 right now as a favorite. St. Louis should get them a plus 1,400. So um, if you want to get back in this, and then maybe you could kind of – to hedge in a, in a game seven situation here or whatever, that that might be the best gambling play in the first round here. But what, what, what is St. Louis going to get back in it? Um, or is this one on ice? Like I, I think I would have Colorado as like the favorite, maybe to win the cup, but that's probably just my love for McKinnon. Yeah. I, I, I think Colorado wins this one's five. They're, they're insanely strong top to bottom. Um, you know, they have the line with McKinnon, Landeskog, and uh, this kid, uh, Mikko Rankinen. And mm-hmm. they're, they just, they're all over the ice. You know, they can cover an insane amount of ice. They're so quick. Um, and I, they just top the bottom. They're, they're great. Eric Johnson on defense. Uh, who do they got in goals? They got uh, Grubauer. Gru- Grubauer, yeah. Yeah. And I think they're the strongest team out of those four on their side in the West there. And, uh, yeah, McKinnon, that kid's just so good. He, I think he's right up there, probably just a step below McDavid. Um, but, yeah, they're so much fun to watch. And, you know, they got great jerseys, a classic jersey when you look at it. You know, it's not an original six, but you look at it and you think of those playoff games versus the Red Wings. You think of Ray I hated up, them. Lifting the cup, yeah. And it's just one of those ones you look at and you're like, all right, that's, that's a team that's going to be tough to beat no matter where you step in with them. Um, I, I think the Blues get a game, but, yeah, I think it's five. And the Colorado Avalanche moving on. Yeah, and, and the McCarr kid, too. Uh, he's he's kind of a young stud defenseman. They're, they're loaded. And I think last year we were both excited about that Dallas uh, conference final in the bubble, and, and it's just, you know, they the Avalanche, unfortunately, I, I feel like they just got too many injuries during that series. And I mean, it's, I think it still went six, um, but yeah, I, I think they're going to come back for a vengeance. Who, uh, who would you, I mean, who would you like pencil in right now as, a, as the cup final matchup? Ooh, that's right. I now, mean, th- this fucking I, thing's wide open to me. Like yeah. it really is. Yeah. I mean, the homer me wants to say the Bruins, but I don't think I want the Bruins. If, if I had to pencil in one right now, um, I would say Avalanche Lightning. Yeah, I'm with you there. I, I do think that that winner, the the Washington, I mean Pittsburgh's still kind of just because their pedigree, they're they're still kind of in the back of my mind. But I I do think the winner of this Boston Washington series, uh, I think would go in that three slot, and then probably Pittsburgh uh, four, maybe Toronto five if I was going to power rank it. But I definitely think Colorado. Um, of course, injuries, all that stuff can happen, but I definitely think Colorado, uh, if I was making them the favorite uh, or if I was in charge of setting odds and stuff like that, I think, yeah, that that's who I would go for right now. 
Um, all right, you ready to talk a little bit of golf and then some race, and we'll get out of here. Yeah, uh, PGA Championship, the fourth major, um, the Ocean Course. Um, it's this course. I've even paying attention. I know the first round got uh, started today, but this course, it's a links course, but until you get to the green, and then all the greens are elevated. Um, I think people will actually be able to make putts, but the wind is going to be crazy. Like two thirds of the round, depending on which way the wind's blowing, you could be like shooting directly into the jet stream. Um, that's the longest course, I believe I read, um, in major championship history, any of the majors. So, um, that's, that's kind of the lay of the land. Um, what, I mean, I, I, I like Shoffley. I think the short game guys are going to be a factor. Uh, your boy Spieth, he rolls putts well. I don't know if he's playing well at the moment, but um, I, I think he kind of, from a handicapping standpoint, that's that's where it goes. What, what's your thoughts on this PGA Championship right now? Yeah, I, so Lynx courses are my favorite. So, like, any time, like, the British Open, probably, British Open is probably my favorite of the four majors. Same here. Uh, and then the U.S. Open and the PGA. I think the U.S. Open always tries to tries to play a links course, like like Aaron Hills. Um, they always have a good one like that that kind of matches up. Uh, but Kiowa is, a, I mean, Kiowa is beautiful. I think it's one of the more underrated vacation spots in South Carolina. I know everybody always wants to talk about Charleston and Myrtle Beach, but I think Kiowa is hands down probably for for people our age. I think it's probably the the way to go now. Um, you know, if I'm not an, if I'm 18 years old, I'm going to Myrtle Beach, but, um, yeah, Kia was awesome. The course looks awesome. I've been watching it here on ESPN on the website here while, while we're doing this and, you know, the bunkers, like the sand just morphs right into the, the, the grass. So there's no like lip or edge and like balls just sink right in there. Cause that's such that soft sand and watching these guys trying to figure out how to hit it, how to stand. It, it, it's awesome. So it it's, makes for a low-scoring tournament, but it makes for a very entertaining and very um, – you have to analyze their shot when you play a course like this. And it, it's cool to see these guys struggle with stuff like that. Um, yeah, Spieth, I think like 8% of all tickets were on Spieth to win. Um, and that kind of scared me because I was like, all right, everybody's picking up the win. He's not going to win. That's just, that's just how things work in, in the gambling side of things. Um, but you know, you have the usual guys at the top right now, Kepka, uh, Keegan Bradley, who won it a few years ago. Um, you know, Phil's up there. He's tied for eighth right now. Um, so I think we're going to see some stuff happen this weekend. Um, I, I think one of the, the usual suspects is going to win, you know, your Kepka. Um, you know, I, I would love to see Phil win, you know, he's an old dude. He's out there just having fun with it. So that'd be cool to see him win too. Um, a guy I like, he's had kind of a resurgence. You know, I think we picked him the last few golf times we've been talking golf, uh, Ricky Fowler. And it looks like he's up there right now and shot a pretty good one under today. Um, so I think he's going to put himself in contention there on Sunday to be there to win it. Yeah, Ricky, I mean, I don't know about now, but Ricky was 160 to 1 uh, at the at the page I'm looking at. Um, I think this is pre-tournament, this article. So that that's a hell of a tick at the cash there. Um yeah, I love Ricky. I, I don't know. Like I said, Shoffley, uh, he entered the tournament at plus uh, 2,000, 20-1, you know, so he's he's up there. Um, I don't know if he played well today, but just kind of thinking of guys, 
that seem like they're always on the hunt. Good short game player. Like I said, I think, I think, um, you know, your guys like Bryson and 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 Brooks, like the the huge guys off the tee. I feel like the wind could really affect those guys and the guys that could kind of hit their approach where they need to hit it. I, I think the tournament will play into their favor as we get into the weekend. But yeah, the the course is uh is phenomenal. Are you there? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I got you. <laughs> okay, I heard an echo as well. All right, uh, that's staying in. Just a little hijinks for everybody. Uh, NASCAR, Circuit of the Americas. Um, again, this is kind of the theme of the show, I guess, but we either don't know what the hell we're talking about or we don't have any idea what's going to happen. Uh, CODA's kind of a mixture of the PGA Championship slash the NHL playoffs to me. Um of course, if you're looking to pick a winner, set a, a fantasy lineup. Uh, I think the usual suspects, uh, you should play them. Uh, but, I mean, we're going to get practice and qualifying for a change. So that, that could help some guys out. Um, I know they had a, a, a Goodyear tire test a month or two ago. So a handful of drivers from each manufacturer and each team got the, got the test. So I think, you know, if you looked at Chevrolet, Chase, He's like the best road course racer for Chevy uh, consistently the last couple of years, and he was part of the tire test. I think you could go for him. Also, he's looking for his first dub of the season. Um, so I think that's where I would lean. What about what about you? I mean, I know you're excited. You could talk about your excitement and then how you think uh, the race will play out, maybe pick a winner, a couple guys to watch. Yeah, uh, it's nice to have another road course. Uh, you know, we obviously we've seen F1 here for years. Um, and, you know, this is the most road courses that we've seen here in NASCAR schedule. And getting a true road course, not just um, the course that's built into Charlotte or Daytona, not, not a roval. Um, it, it's, it's a lot of fun because it brings in many different racers. Um, obviously, like you said, Chase is probably the favorite to win because he's won, hell, like seven out of the last eight road courses, it feels like. You know, Christopher Bell got the Roval at Daytona earlier this year. Um, but Great race, Chase, too. Yeah, Chase is still looking for his first win. He's had a strong run here lately, a couple of top tens, finished third this past weekend um, in the Hendrick 1, 2, 3, 4, which – which I, I, I thought I called – I said that Joe Gibbs was going to get it earlier this year, and I was completely wrong. Um, but it, it was cool to see because you never get to see that. I think it's happened about three or four times ever in NASCAR. Um, yeah. So that, 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 that's really awesome for Hendrick. Um, but, yeah, this is going to be a fun course. Um, you know, we get a truck race. We get an Xfinity race. We get, we get an F1-style kind of qualifying for the NASCAR Cup Series, too. Uh, they have, like, a 25-minute open – and then they moved the scoring line to between turns 18 and 19 so that they can finish the lap. They can go right into the pits. So that it's going to kind of be a little different from your traditional F1 qualifying where you have to cross the line to get your time. Um, so it, it'll, it'll be interesting. And, you know, I don't know if they're bringing backup cars, uh, but they do like traditional years where we have practice, qualifying, happy hour. Um, so it'll be interesting to see if people are going to, try to hold back their cars and save them or if they're going to go low fuel all out and try to try to just get up front and start the race up front and not worry about making a pass 
Uh, there are a couple good passing zones, especially that long back stretch. Um, so it, it's going to be fun to see. I think they're doing the 750 horsepower, so they're going to going to have some power behind the wheel there. Um, but it's going to be really interesting. Yeah, no doubt. Would you? I mean, Chase, you got a you got a dark horse pick. I mean, I mean, at this point with road courses, it feels like Tiger in the 2000s. Are you taking mm-hmm. Tiger? Are you taking the field? Uh, this one being the first time, you know, Truex has been here, Kurt Busch has been here, uh, Chase has been here. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm going to stick with Chase on this one. I got Chase from my jackpot races here. Um, I think he's at least a lock for a top five. Almost, I would say he's probably what, like a three to two favorite to win the race just based on his road course acumen. So I think it's going to be, I think Chase is going to get his first win, uh, another first time winner this year. So it's going to be, I think, Chase, Dark Horse, um, another, another road course kind of guy, uh, Eric Almarola, had a tough year so far this year. It feels like he's been wrecked in every race, only like one top 10. And I feel like this could be his chance to break through and if not top 10, top five and possibly contend for the win. Yeah, I'm with you. I, I, I've gotten ahead, you know, I'd pick Chase Elliott to win the race. Plus, coming off that uh, top four run. Uh, last week, a little confidence boost. Another car, I guess I would look for a dark horse. Um, I guess it, it, it would kind of be his um, by, you know, location would kind of be his home race. Um, maybe Phoenix, but Torres, that 99 team, they've kind of been, you know, they're not a huge threat, but they, they led at the Bristol dirt race. Uh, they've had a good finish uh, last week. I think they were a top 10 car all day and finished there. That track house team, shout out to Pitbull. But, um, you know, that's, this is kind of his bag is uh, being a road racer growing up and stuff like that. And um, I feel like the road courses, they're they're kind of turning into super speedways where you're going to have a, a, a guy or two, uh, top five or top 10 that you don't really expect. And uh, it's a feel-good story. So I, I think Suarez would kind of be my, my dark horse pick to, to run well. Yeah, I like that Suarez pick too. Um, what they've done, starting back with Daytona and up to the Bristol Dirt Race in the last few weeks, it's, it's been a great run for a small independent team. So I um, hope to see more of that, more independent teams coming through, have that success. You know, 23XI got their first top 15. So it's, it's going to create some parity here the next few weeks. And it's going to be awesome to see. All right, the big one, the crown jewel of the Formula One calendar, the race everybody wants to win, the Principality, the Monaco Grand Prix. I mean, if you've never watched, I mean, I kind of had this in my mind, like kind of get Bryce fired up uh, about it. But to me, even when it's bad weather-wise, just the, the, the background of the Monaco Grand Prix, I mean, you got the Casino Square, the Lowe's Hairpin, uh, the tunnel, the swimming pool S's, uh, or the swimming pool S, uh, the harbor with all the yachts, the people on the balconies. Um, it's it's picturesque. I mean, if it's beautiful, it's bad out. Uh, I love the Monaco Grand Prix. Now, with that being said, uh, usually not a great race, not unless some weather, or safety car, or a combination of both happens. So I, I think qualifying Saturday is actually. Uh, I mean, it's obviously always important every Grand Prix weekend, but especially at Monaco, 
there's just not any room to get off the racing line and really make any passes. So qualifying Saturday is of the utmost importance to, to get up and watch that, in my opinion. Um, so I'll, I'll throw it back to you here. Just just your thoughts on Monica as, as it is, and then we could get into some predictions and what we want to see happen. Yeah, it's this – I mean, we were robbed not to have this last year. Absolutely. Um, and, you know, to see it back now, the first time since 2019 – Obviously, that race, that was a tough race. You know, the world lost Nicky Lauda leading up to that race. And it was awesome to see the support for him and the tributes from Seb and from Lewis and the Mercedes having the red ring. Um, so it, it, it brings up a lot of feelings whenever you watch this race. You think about Senna winning five times, five or six times here, the, the podiums with him there. Um, you know, you think of Schumacher and the Ferrari winning here. It, it, and like you said, just Monaco itself, um, Monte Carlo, like, you know, you just look, you have, we have the yachts there. That's awesome. We have fans in the crowd. That's awesome. Uh, watching uh, FP2 today, Martin Brundle standing right at the swimming pool and the cars are just butted up right against the barriers. And yeah. That's, so much- that's my, that's my favorite camera angle. Just seeing yeah. them slide in the S right there. Oh man. It was, it was awesome. And it, it feels great to have this back. You know, the, the street circuits are my favorite. Um, I, I do have some favorite traditional circuits, but, you know, Monaco, Singapore, it's just so much fun to watch them because there's so much adrenaline. You can tell the drivers are on edge, even the slightest centimeter or inch, and you're into the wall and out of the race. So it, it's, it's, it just makes – it's a boring race because, like you said, there's no overtaking opportunities, maybe maybe one or two, um, probably down through the tunnel, probably like the best one, I would say, just because it opens up to two lanes through there. But then all of a sudden, you have to hit the brakes, go from 170 down to 20 just to make that chicane. Um, so it's going to, like you said, qualifying is going to be awesome. And after what I saw today, I, I had a prediction about what we were going to see on lap one. And after today, I uh, my, my red blood for Ferrari is just – all jacked up seeing the top of the leaderboard. Um, so we'll, we'll, we'll move on to a couple other things if you want to hit something before predictions. Um, whatever you want to do. Um, I had to change my predictions, so I'll, I'll let you get into yours first. No, I was just going to mention, like, um, you know, a lot of guys – Formula 1 has a, a weird rule, and they've, they've kind of relaxed it a little bit, but um, with, with the presentation, so obviously um, – I think you had to let the FIA in Formula One now and in years past, like I'm going to run a different helmet because I mean, that's kind of a dead giveaway, uh, especially back in the days when the numbers were kind of very minimum, uh, minimal on the car. Like, Oh, you could tell by the guy's crash helmet by going by who is racing. So you're only allowed to switch up your helmet paint scheme like one time a year and you had to get permission and let the FIA know what race is. Now they seem like, They've moved into the 21st century since um, the Chase Carey group uh, took over. Um, so, you know, we see uh, – I know Charles has uh, – he's thrown a helmet back to uh, the first ever winner of the Monaco Grand Prix in 1931. Um, and then McLaren with the golf livery. Just any any race car that is in that golf livery, that light blue – with the orange and some navy accent is is beautiful. They also have some throwback uh, scheme on their helmets, both the 
Daniel and, and Lando. Um, just your thoughts on on that uh, this weekend. You know, kind of, you know, I, I – well, I'll say this and then you can get to your part of it. I kind of look at Monte Carlo as it's, – it's Daytona and Indy from the prestige standpoint in F1, but it's kind of like – it's kind of like the Bristol night race, like circuit wise, if that makes sense. Like, you know, I, Bristol is obviously more exciting of a, of a race product, but I mean, that's kind of where I'm at with it. Yeah. I, I think it's got the feel, the feel of Daytona or, or the, the 600 um, to where it's just all eyes are on it and you, you know, all eyes are on it and you can be even the most unknowledgeable fan flipping through the channels at 9 a.m. on Sunday and see it and be like, oh, wow. Like, when they go by the yachts, like, you're just like, damn, that's a lot of money. And, you know, it's, you know, it's a lot of important people there. Um, and going back to the McLaren, um, to the delivery there, when you sent that text message to us, I hadn't even seen it yet. And I was like, holy shit, that is the best-looking car I've seen in years in F1. Yeah. Um, it's unreal. And then uh, – Lando has a great helmet, and then Daniel's helmet, which is that classic golf. Uh, he's got the – it's all orange with the red – or the white circle with just the number in it. It's it's beautiful. Um, and I think – I, I wish they would do more special schemes. I know it costs them – it's more cost for them to do that than it was for, like, a wrap for a NASCAR. Um, but it, it's awesome to see. Um, I, who else has one this weekend? Uh, I feel like there was another team that had – Oh, William, their 750th. Yep. Um, There's I mean, some gold. Got, yeah, they got the big 750 on, the on it. And yep. then you could, like, enter a contest and, like, pick, like, your first race that you're a fan of Williams, and they put, like, 100 names on the car. It's pretty cool for what was a pretty terrible memory for them this year um, compared to last year's. But it, it's it's awesome. And then the helmet rule, uh, I'm so glad they relaxed that. It's kind of like the same thing with, like, the NFL, with, like, celebrations and then finally getting with the times and changing their numbers this year to where you can skill players can wear whatever they want. Yep. Uh, so it, it's just nice to see those things because it makes for a lot more fun. And, you know, for people that like, collect items too, you know, you get a one-off, you know, they make those special like one um, 18th scale helmets. You know, there's someone that's buying every single Charles Leclerc helmet or every single Daniel Ricardo helmet. And it just makes for a lot of fun for people that collect things. It's awesome. All right, prediction time. Um, I was going to – I wanted to see practice because I came into this thinking like, man, I know Max and Red Bull got off to a great start. They kind of threw the first punch, and then Lewis has kind of took his ball and went home a little bit. And I feel like this is kind of the race where – to. to to get this championship fight kind of back up and, and going again, it was a race Max needed to to take a shot across the bow at, at Mercedes. And then Lewis even coming out in the media playing a little head games. I don't know if you saw it where he said Max is obviously talented but still has a lot to prove, which I don't think he was wrong in saying that. But I, I just don't really – not unless they're sandbagging it a little bit. Uh, I just don't really see that Red Bull has made the improvements it needs. So, I mean, I'm going to be boring here, but I I think we could see Mercedes 1-2 lockout and qualifying and then 
Um, you know, maybe, you know, if Val- Valtteri beats Lewis in the turn one, but, um, you know, I'm, I'm picking Lewis. But I feel like people think he kind of stinks at, at Monaco. But if he gets on the podium this week, it'll be his, his eighth podium at Monaco, which will, I think, surpass the all-time podium record there. He, I mean, he only has three wins there. I, I say only like – I mean, there's guys that would kill to have one win in, in F1, especially at, at Monaco. But um, that would tie him with Alan Pross for third all-time on the list. Um, and then Schumacher with five and, and Senna with six. I mean um, – but he's kind of since Nico's retired, he kind of mastered that place. Uh, Lewis has figured it out, and he he's the guy there. Plus, I mean, I know Max was chasing him down in 2019, but this has kind of been a place where Max has struggled a little bit. I thought if the Red Bull had pace, uh, he could finally check that one off the off the list and get back in this championship fight. But your Ferrari team throwing a, a monkey wrench into things at their pace. We'll see if it translates to qualifying. But uh, I, I think maybe I'm going to put Charles on the podium behind the two Mercedes. Yeah. Um, I, 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 get, I like what you said about people are sick of Lewis and the people have Lewis fatigue. I, I just don't think it's the same as like New England Patriots fatigue or Jimmy Johnson fatigue. Like what we're seeing with Lewis is absolutely incredible. He's two wins away from a hundred wins all time. Like, especially in formula one where everything has to go right and you can't just luck into a win. It's absolutely incredible. A hundred pulls too. Um, he's just absolutely insane. And probably, I mean, pound for pound, I think he's probably, obviously, obviously we never have to see like people like Jim Clark drive. We never really got to see Richard Petty drive live other than like replays. Uh, we saw Dale for a while, Jeff Gordon, Jimmy Johnson. We've seen these guys, but I just don't think they have the same acumen and the same will to win that Lewis has with what he's got. Um, so I, I wouldn't mind seeing Lewis up there again. I mean, I mean, he's, he's, he's the best driver in the best car. I mean, it doesn't get any better than that. Um, but yeah, I had uh, foreshadowed my prediction. I had to change it. Um, my prediction earlier before practice even started today was that we were going to have Lewis and Max one, two by or vice versa. Max Lewis one, two going into that first turn. I thought they were going, I, I think that if they're on the front row together, this is the race they take each other out. We had the contact Ooh. in the Mola. We had the contact there. Um, you know, we had Lewis catching back in Barcelona, even though that's kind of a boring race as it is, but it's coming to a head. It's coming to a boiling point. I like what you said about his head games. It's he always has the most straight faced and like super serious but trolling answer for Max, and it's absolutely perfect. Like he's learned, he's had the teammates. He's been teammates with Alonzo. Uh, him and Nico had the rivalry in all those years, and I think he he's taken all those lessons he learned and he's just putting on a clinic for Max. And you know it's going to translate. You know Lewis isn't going to be around forever. Max is going to be the next guy him or Charles or George Russell even maybe if he gets to Mercedes next year. So it's, it's going to be passed down and uh, it's going to be awesome. But as you said, Ferrari did have an incredible pace today. And during practice, they kept mentioning, you know, throughout all the interviews leading up to this week, Charles and Carlos had the same answer. Oh, we don't want to, we want to be the best of the rest. We want to be the third team, yada, yada, yada. And then they come out today and just, absolutely set the track on fire 
and I, I'm here for it. And my prediction, um, you know, if if Charles, if he takes this pace into qualifying, he gets first. He's never finished his home Grand Prix, and I feel like if he wow. gets first, yeah. Wow. I mean, FP in uh, Formula Two. Um, all I think he's had two Formula One races here. Obviously, didn't have the one last year. Um, he's never finished there. Um, so I think if he gets that P1 in, quali- in qualifying, he's not giving it up. I think if he does that, he's taking it home, taking a win at home. Um, and then for the rest of the podium, um, I-, I think Lewis is going to be there two or three. And then there is going to be a Red Bull driver. But if it is, it's going to be Sergio Perez. Um, I just I think Max makes a mistake, tries to push too hard, tries to keep up with Lewis, tries to kind of stay – either one spot behind him or one spot ahead of him just to keep that pace in the championship fight. And he's not making a mistake. We've seen him make mistakes here before. Red Bull has a great car at Monaco, um, obviously with Daniel winning it back in 2018. Um, but I, like you said, qualifying is qualifying is the thing to watch. Whoever wins qualifying usually wins the race. So that's where I'm going to be tomorrow or Saturday morning. I keep forgetting they don't have practice on Fridays. Yeah. Um, so it's going to be fun to see. And I think there is rain in the forecast. That also throws another kink in the, the machine that is Monica. Yeah, that'd, that'd be fantastic. I'll make one I'll, or two points here, and then we'll, we'll end it with uh, just a quick little Indy 500 qualifiers this week, and we'll talk about that a little bit. But um, just to circle back to the Lewis thing, and I may have even said it on here before, but the, the two points I will make for Lewis's greatness – and it's none of them's numbers, but he back when he came in, I know there were some people that rolled their eyes. Like why the hell is this snot nosed kid getting the McLaren ride as his first ride? Like usually, you know, formula one, you kind of start with a team at the bottom or a mid pack team. And, you know, you put a good season or two in and move up to a works team or one of the big teams. But, you know, Lewis kind of had that, LeBron James, Tiger Woods, like hype coming into his career. And he damn near won the championship as rookie year. Uh, a mistake in China uh, coming to pit road, ruined that. But he was in the fight uh, clear to the end of that season. And then he cashes in his second year. And then that's really when the, the McLaren uh, didn't really dip, but that's when Red Bull kind of took off with Seb uh, for that four year run. And Lewis took a gamble, but the point is, first point, yeah, he, he was the guy. Like, that's the next great one. And he's lived up to that. Two, when Nico Rosberg actually beat him for the championship, he retired. And I think it was because it was so mentally, emotionally, and physically taxing to fucking beat him in the exact same car for that season. Because that was a great season. Yeah. This guy's going back and forth. The fucking guy quit the sport. Like, <laughs> like that's all you need to say about Lewis Hamilton is he's lived up to the billing and he made his quit the sport, like retire. Like I'm good. I beat him. I don't know too many people on this planet that could do that in the same car. I'm good. I'm out. Peace. Like that's all you really have to say about Lewis's greatness. And I didn't mention triple digit polls, triple digit wins when he gets to that point. Um, you know, he's going to get to his eighth. If he comes back next year, I know the regulations change, but 
he's on the short list to, to win the championship uh, as far as I could see out into the future. He's he's awesome. Yeah. I don't know if you saw this. Um, I was just scrolling through Twitter, looking at some things. Uh, close personal friends PMT got Christian Horner on their podcast. Um, oh. So that, that'll be interesting to listen to, to see them. Um, try to talk F one to them without knowing a thing about it, so that'll be that'll be fun. Yeah, they've had Danny Hamlin on a couple times, and that that's actually been pretty good because you know they don't really know anything, but you know they're trying, and I, I it's probably tried to survive. And I right. know there's there's some F one snobs out there that, that they're like getting, uh, like they're getting butt hurt, like. I hate all these F one new F one fans just because of a Netflix show. Like, who cares? Like, you think everybody who watches football like has like great X's and O's knowledge and like history of the sport knowledge and stuff like that? No, like that's just not that's not true. Like, that's as race fans, that's what you want. You want your that'd, sport to grow. That'd be like us getting mad at Europeans for what, tuning into Hard Knocks and being like, "Oh man, the Rams and Chargers." Yeah, like it's it's it's. I always see it as a positive. Like if somebody, and I'm not saying I know everything about automobiles, F1, yada yada yada, but like if somebody just says something crazy, that's not really, you know, a smart thing to say. Whatever, it's their opinion. Like, right? You know. All right, Indy 500 qualifying, Saturday, Sunday. Um, I love the Indy 500. I think it's the most important race in the world. Sorry, Monica, I'm, I'm American snob, but I mean the Fast Nine Sunday is obviously a, an incredible shootout. But to to mentally put yourself in an Indy car, try to visualize you're going to be going like 225 to 230 miles per hour, average speed. Like they don't screw up off hardly any speed in the corners. And, um, you know, NASCAR people like, oh, yeah, you know, we, we qualify one lap or, you know, sometimes they'll change format like this weekend where you can go out and make multiple runs. But four laps, that's 10 miles mm-hmm. to qualify. And it's the best average speed for four laps. To be on your game, they trim these cars out so much just to squeeze every little bit of speed and to reduce as much drag. I mean, we've seen change since Cliff about die in a wreck. We've seen Bourdais kill the wall too and and about die. Like it is kind of a life and death situation. But these guys put their visors down, they fucking go for it. And I I watch every second of it every year, both both sessions of qualifying. And, uh, and of course, the race. Uh, we'll preview that next weekend on the pod. But, um, you know, I'm sure you're excited too. Just any memories, any thoughts, uh, prediction on who's going to be uh, the fast qualifier come Sunday? Yeah, this, I mean, this was, I mean, it's the Memorial Day. I mean, the, the triumvirate, you know, Monaco, Indy 500, Coke 600 sucks that we don't have that Monaco early morning to start us off this year. Um, but yeah, the Indy 500 is awesome. Uh, Tony Kanaan has been my favorite driver in Indy car for as long as I can remember. Um, you know, and looking at practice four from today, he had the fastest time, 225.3. And then just seeing the names that are up there right now, 
Connor Daly, Captain America. I, I love seeing him do well. He's such an awesome personality off the track. Um, and then obviously you have your front runners, Newgarden, Dixon, uh, Helio Castroneves had a good run today. Um, also, I want to give a shout out to Roman Grosjean and get that podium. I thought he was going to get the win last week, um, but what, what a story for him. Uh, just a little mm-hmm. side note. Uh, yeah, Indy 500, you know, Takuma Sato's wins. Obviously, uh, I think it was last year when he won under caution. Um, uh, who was uh, Frank Heaty went in with him and Ashley Judd in the crowd. And then the milk is probably my favorite thing when they just douse that milk to where the point where I thought about buying a milk jug like that at the flea market just to fill it up and drink it like they do. Then I was like, eh, I got some issues coming up in my later ages. So I'm going to hold off on that. Um, <laughs> but yeah, this is a fun watch. And you always have like the heartbreak too. I, can get, I think it was like 2010 or 2011. I can't remember the kid's name that was leading on the last lap. and J.R. J- Hildebrand put it right into the wall yeah. and I I was like I had no like like rooting affiliation I was like oh man it'd be cool to see this kid win and he puts it in there and you just felt the heartbreak like in that entire crowd and so that's probably like my biggest memory from it and then Kanan winning um, but what Roger Penske has done I'm not a Roger Penske fan at all but the upgrades he's done to IMS getting people getting eyes on the road course again to the point where it could be coming back to F1 um, to which, if it comes back to F one, we're going. I think that's, that's that's a live podcast from there. Yeah, we're um, going. So yeah, the Indy five hundred. It's probably my second favorite race of the year. Um, my favorite American race, and I am so excited for it. I'm excited for Carb Day. I'm excited for the media leading up to it. I'm excited to see the fans back in the crowd this year. And then, like you said, two hundred and twenty five miles an hour without touching the brake through any corner absolutely insane and just the balls these guys have is incredible i i I hate doing 75 on the freeway i couldn't imagine doing 225 (laughs) yeah i know it's insane um i i kind of like and he qualified well in in september uh i i like renis bk um ari leindyke a guy who got around that place very very well uh, still has the lap record there. I know he's kind of been his mentor, um, and and he runs that Ari Lion Dyke line. Uh, if you go watch YouTube videos and then watch Renus run Indy, it's like man, like that. That's a carbon copy. So um, I I think he could be a guy to watch. Set on the pole, obviously Scott Dixon. It seems like he always qualifies well too. Um, and weirdly, the Penske cars they're Sometimes they don't really try to qualify well. It seems like uh, some years they're looking to start up front. Some years it's like, let's just make sure we're locked in and we're going to work on our, our car for the race. So um, I know, obviously, New Garden and, and Will Power and those guys have had success. Um, Scott McLaughlin, I think, that, that would be a popular winner um, if he ran well too. But um, – yeah, I'm just excited. Maybe Polo. I know he's got a win this year. Well, um, his first in the, in the other Ganassi ride um, could could be a factor too. So, uh, but yeah, I'm excited. I don't I don't really have a favorite IndyCar driver. I just I just love IndyCar. Love the series. Um, but yeah, I I think you know when TK runs well, uh, I I think Tony Kanon's like one of the best personalities. So I guess. Um, and I don't hate Dixon. I know he's been super successful. 
Um, oh, and I can't forget Rossi. Just his yeah. his want to to win the Indy Five Hundred again is it's every year. It's just like man, like a couple years ago, his, his crew kind of screwed him. Um, he's like flipping the bird, the fucking lap traffic, like get out of his way and stuff like that. Getting chopped down like in the turn three, and he's throwing his hands out the window or out the car. Like what the fuck, man? Like that guy, easy to root for because his passion. But uh. Yeah, just wanted to make mention of it, and we'll come back next week and preview the race. Any any final thoughts on that or anything this weekend, Bob? Um, yeah, like like you said, it's impossible to hate anyone in IndyCar. Like, there, there's not that one guy that I just like despise against in in the series. Um, you know, I think Scott Dixon does get some of the same fatigue among IndyCar fanatics that Lewis gets. But even even the old guys that are like a one-off races, you know, you got Juan Pablo racing here, um, Rossi, uh, Simon Pagano, all these guys. Graham Rahal, local kid, I'd like to see him do well, finish up there near the top. And then you got, um, you know, like uh, Jimmy Johnson, Roman Grosjean, they're not running ovals, um, to which I, I get it. They're not used to the speeds in those cars on an oval. Um, so, you know, you got Pietro Fittipaldi, racing for Grosjean, um, Ed Carpenter, the old guy in the series. It, it's just fun to watch. And, you know, the two young guys, you mentioned one, VK, um, coming up, who's awesome. I think he won a race this year already, I believe. Yeah, he um, won He won the, the GP at Indy. Yeah. Um, yeah, him and uh, another guy, Pato Award. I, I, I think those two coming up where they're at in their careers right now, they're going to take on that same – kind of rivalry that new garden and Dixon have. I think it's going to kind of, kind of mimic that. I think it's going to set the sport up for great time for the next few years, but yeah, well, like I said, qualifying has to happen first and I think we can get into predictions next week. Um, so I think that'll be it. And then the only other thing for this weekend, I haven't looked at what the, uh, what the odds is on it, but uh, Mazepin to retire first in Monaco. Uh, <laughs> I, I'm a hammer in it, hammer it every single time. I wouldn't be surprised if he uh, on the on the install lap before the before the grid or um, just the the grid lap, uh, the warm up lap uh, before the actual start of the race, if he just dipped <laughs> it into the Armco like that. If there's a if there's like a side prop on that, I would hammer that as well. So he's actually I'm surprised he's been quicker than Mick, but I guess we'll see Saturday if he really is. But um, yeah. Like poor Mick, I I wish they would have kept K Mag there just for a vet, you know, just because I feel like they're kind of killing Mick Schumacher's development. So yeah, I, I I actually thought, um, and no offense to Giovinazzi, I don't think he's terrible, but I actually wanted Alpha with that Ferrari Driver Academy tie to to kind of kick Giovinazzi to the the curb and let Kimmy kind of mentor. Mick, that would that would have been a nice move, I feel like. But now he's stuck with the Russian American Haas. So, yeah, and they're all led by Gunther Steiner, who the the greatest Netflix character ever. <laughs> but yeah, that's all you can really say about him. I mean, that's just I just don't get. I that's another discussion, I guess, for another day. <laughs> that team, what that team, I thought had such a bright future after their first year and a half. They were kind of that plucky team. Like, holy shit, they finished sixth. Grosjean got fifth. Magnuson got, like, in the top 
10 and Q3, like those little moments the first like year and a half. And then after that, it's just been a steady downward decline. But like I said, that's a discussion for another day. <laughs> All right, man. Well, I think that's like an hour and 10 longer than I thought, but Hey, uh, busy weekend, a lot of topics, uh, we covered and discussed. And, uh, like I said, uh, next week, hopefully get Bryce back. Um, We'll, we'll do some Indy 500 talk. Hopefully react to a great Coda and Monaco Grand Prix and and um, talk a little playoffs, I guess, again. But uh, appreciate you coming on, Robbie. Um, any famous last words? Hey, the only thing I got to say is I'm Diablo Ferrari. Let's go, baby. All right, man. Uh, rate, review, subscribe, follow the show on Twitter and Facebook at Podcock PCast. Um, and, yeah. Have a good weekend, everybody, Um, and we'll see you next time. Thanks for listening.